Take Podcast. It's the only podcast on earth that is a complete shit show. I am Tersh and I am solo today, but I do have a very special guest with me. The uh, the creator of the Dick Show Christmas album. It is the Grand Wazoo. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. <laughs> it's been I'm a doing, while since I'm doing I'm, good I'm, tonight. I've been, mean to, I've been yeah. meaning to get you on the show since uh, since the start of the year. But uh, this is like the first time we've both been able to do it. Uh, so it's great to have you on the show to talk about all the things, all the cool stuff you've been doing recently and all the stuff you're going to be doing in the future. So let's put some things in perspective. The re- the way I know you is that you went on to the Dick Show mm-hmm. to talk to and talked about creating a, uh, tw- uh, a, ver- a, um, a small Christmas album. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> a oh, small yeah. Christmas album. Uh, for the Dick Show, you know, talking about uh, using all the references from the Dick Show and all that sort of stuff, and it turned into uh, with lots of Frank Zappa type of influences, and it turned into a this this absolute monster. Was it forty four track from memory? Uh, it was a forty one track. Forty one track. My apologies uh, of yeah, this thing, good. and uh, I reached out to you and I said, "Hey, this sounds cool. If you ever need some guitar tracks, especially." some Frank Zappa sort of sounding stuff. Happy to provide with you whatever you needed. And uh, I think I, it was just the um, the last track on the album, the Watermelon Easter Hay I got to play on, which is which is awesome and sounds amazing. But before we, oh, talk, yeah. but before we talk about that, let's just start about the beginning of uh, your music career. How, where, how did you start music? You know, how were you first introduced to music and, you know, when did you decide to take up music as a hobby? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't call it a music career, well, but, you know, I've been, I've been taking that music for a very long time. Um, every, well, I, I was in a uh, school band ever since I was in elementary school, and I did that for about 10 years. I used to switch between the clarinet and the bass clarinet, <laughs> and I used to do a bunch of stuff in uh, school choir and, and a lot of that stuff. I also played guitar on the side, and, you know, mostly I was just into, like, just rock music, a lot of alt rock i was really into weezer i remember and all those up all bands and then uh when i was about 19 is when i discovered frank zappa and that pretty much changed my perspective on music uh yeah yeah just completely changed my outlook on music on what it can be on the potential of music and it that introduced me that made me uh, interested in classical music like uh, the music of stravinsky and Ives and so on and so forth. It's it's amazing what the what happens when you start listening to Frank Zappa. I was I was uh, lucky enough to be introduced to it uh, via a uh, BBC documentary called Classic Albums, and they went through both the album Apostrophe and uh, Overnight Sensation because they were sort of recorded basically at the same time with the same right. band and all that sort of stuff. And they got you know George Duke was on the on the. Um, uh, you know, George Duke was there talking about the record, and uh, Ruth Underwood obviously, and then Dweezil was on there talking about mm-hmm. the uh, the records. That's how I was introduced to it. But it does really change your perspective of of uh, of music and how you play it, especially as a guitar player. That which is what I. Am. Oh yeah. <laughs> One thing I, I would like to comment on. I, I think I mentioned this briefly on the Dick Show. I don't I don't know if this was much interest to any of the Dick Show audience, but. <laughs> You know, what, what What I love about, you know, discovering Frank and really getting to his guitar playing, I would um, I would study his guitar solos and try to learn them and 
what I liked, what was very interesting about Frank was, is the way he approached rhythm. Like he would talk about playing 17 in the space of 14, or maybe it was 14 in the space of 17, mm-hmm. or sometimes I would catch him playing like five notes in the space of two beats and doing these really odd times and these odd rhythms and just really just like expanding um, just what you could, you know, just what you could do with the notes that you're playing really yeah it was obviously very uh, an amazing melody creator as well and that that's all the oh, way yeah. through his but the the way he does you're absolutely right the rhythmic aspect of his uh not only his music creation but his his guitar playing especially within that solo section you're you're right you know and for people that aren't musicians out there listening you know <laughs> it's like saying you're trying to count you know someone's counting to four and you're trying to count to five or six or seven or eight or nine or whatever number in the same space. And that you know, those subdivisions um, is what makes that his guitar playing or playing those type of notes very and interesting. Also, and also one thing I find very interesting is that he said that his guitar playing was very speech influenced. So he wants mm-hmm. his guitar, you know, he wants to play like as though he's speaking to be, he, uh, like to be as fluent as fluent playing the guitar like as he is you know just fluid just you know he's just talking through the mm. instrument if that makes any sense it does because I, I don't know if how this is how you approach things sometimes but um one of the when i was doing all my music training and you know with guitar te- lessons and you know teachers and stuff like that when learning in, like um improvisation one of the big things that i was taught was to uh create melody lines or you know try to do phrasing in the space of a breath because that way it's very easy for the listener to, to join in and also mm. it makes it a little, you know, it breaks up, you know, instead of being Yngwie Malmsteen and playing consistently, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, no, I no, no, no. It, it gives you some breathing space and allows you to create dynamic phrases rather than, you know, a hundred million notes in one, in a, in a space of a minute. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. How I learned to improvise, I actually really didn't go to, yeah, I never went to music school or anything. Mm. I just learned to improvise just playing guitar on my back porch. So a lot of times, like, and there, I remember in high school a lot, I would just stay up till like, three in the morning sometimes just with my acoustic guitar, just kind of just, like, messing around with uh, pentonic scales. I learned how to do the major and minor, but I just kind of just kind of do that for sometimes hours on end. And I just got really good at it somehow. Mm. And it took years to really find discipline to it. But yeah, that, that, that's the foundation to, you know, that's, that's a bit of a core to how, of my uh, guitar playing. Yeah. So you come out, you come out of high school, you, you're 19, you learn about Frank Zappa. What, and what did you do then? Like, you know, were you starting to record and write music at that age? Well, um, I started recording and writing music about, yeah, I would say about 19, maybe 20 years old. I used to have this, I have this alt, alt, alt account, um, under the name Oreo Sama. I, I was in a bit of a phase when I first made that account, <laughs> but anyway, that, that's the account I made. And I used to make parody songs about, uh, there's this little discord community I came across. It, it's a very nerdy discord community it's some sort of role playing it's this weird role playing server i found yeah some some guy mentioned it on a podcast i checked it out it, it's just like it's it, it's like it's called rowdy fuckers cop killers it, it's like you're 
it's like these two rival gangs and they pretend to fight each other. They have these like fake contests and like this like whole like art and this whole like wiki page, just very weird, this oddly dedicated server. And there's a bunch of like artists just like making up lore. <laughs> and there's, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a very strange and unique thing. And I, I hit up this one guy and we started to, uh, someone who's not, yeah, some guy, he's, his name, he goes by the name Sweet Mouse. So he did uh, a couple of parody albums. We did one that was a Mountain Goats parody album. The other that was a Tenacious D and a Zappa parody album. You can check it out on the Oriosama SoundCloud. Mm. Yeah, that's when I first started writing music. And then there's some interesting episodes in between then where I kind of turned to my audience and kind of played a kind of a heel character where... I started insulting the audience like kind of a pro wrestler <laughs> and everyone hated it. Everyone lost their minds. They, they thought I was just gone for, I was a wreck. Oh man. Fuck this guy. Fuck Oreo. He's such a piece of shit. Was this a, and I almost, a, is this a live setting or is this like in a, like just releasing tracks, posting them in the discord and. and oh, I'm just posting there. it in the discord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this isn't like a live setting. If this was live, I would probably get kicked out of the venue and never played again <laughs> by trying pulling this shit off in person. Maybe Andy, someone like Andy Kaufman could get away with it, yeah. but I don't know if I could. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that story goes on for like four or five months. That's when I started writing more avant-garde music when I actually started putting in shades of like Bartok and Stravinsky and and Zappa, of course, more classical stuff and mixing that in with, you know, very horrible wrestling promos, <laughs> very horrible wrestling promos. At the time, it was just I was just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Technically, that's still true, but it's much I'm much more refined at this at this thing. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm much more refined at, with my experiments. But at the time, a lot of it is even though a lot of it is very cringy and it still is, but, but you know, the overall art of what was, I was, I was going through. I mean, the overall thing was good, I believe. And I just grew from it. And the people who stuck around all these years, I, you know, I found out those were my real friends, the ones who stuck around and kind of got the thing. And, and even if I did burn some bridges along the way, I, I would say it was worth it just for just for just the music and the experience, even though the experience wasn't always pleasant. Mm. I think the experience was worthwhile. And oh, anything, anything that allows you to be become a little bit creative and share it with an audience, whether they hate it or love it. I think that's the most exciting part about showing your art to people because that, that yeah. positive or negative reaction that they get, like you said, you're either going to find a whole bunch of fans or you're going to piss a whole bunch of people off. But those people that are your fans love the fact that you're pissing yeah. people off, you know, and it's been across music, you know, ever since you know the beginning of music. I mean, Elvis was hated by a whole bunch of people. Um, right. Frank Zappa was the Beatles, you know, I guess the Beatles probably were. I don't know if I can be compared to Elvis, but I get your <laughs> point. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so you, so how did you come up with the idea? I don't know if we're skipping a whole bunch of stuff, but how did you, what, what made you go, I'm going to make a Dick show Christmas album. Okay. So this was about the middle of 2020 and it was around a 
during the summer of 2020, I want yep. to say July or August, I kind of had it back in my head. I just kind of thought, what if I made a Dick Show Christmas album? Nah, probably not. That's a stupid idea. Well, maybe I'll write uh, maybe a song or two. Well, no big deal. <laughs> and then I decided, uh, maybe maybe we'll stretch it to thirty minutes, and it just it just it just turned into a monster. Mm. And I think one of the biggest inspirations of this horrible thing being erected out of something so innocent was a coworker of mine who. I just happened to find out was a Sonic the Hedgehog voice impersonator. <laughs> out of all things he could have been. <laughs> That's a very he, specific he niche. A, <laughs> yes. He, he just happened to voice Sonic the Hedgehog really, really, really well. And and despite that and other voices, he did an even better Filthy Frank. And it was scary. <laughs> it was scary. Like, you have... You have a bunch of people on YouTube who try to imitate Filthy Frank, mm. including that Filthy Frank 2 guy who's popular. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's a spot – this guy I worked with is a spot on Filthy Frank, and it's kind of scary how good this guy is. He's just excellent. Like I remember on the spot, like I needed him to do Keemstar, PewDiePie, all these voice impressions, and he would do – it's not always spot on, but he always just comes out with a character, even if it's not exactly the character that he, like he doesn't exactly sound like Ethan Ralph on the thing, but yep. he comes out with a character that I, I, you know, that I could get behind and get inspired by. And with all of like, you know, let's talk about, I mean, we'll just talk about the introduction. Um, the, what's it called? The first piece on the album, the introduction there. I mean, there's so much, it, the, the composition style, obviously you in, integrated the, the Dick Show theme and all that sort of stuff, but the, um, the composition style is super dense with heaps of instruments. I mean, you know, I even, I do hear your woodwind playing on those, some of those tracks here and there, guitar mm-hmm. playing, bass, drums, this and that. Is that all, I mean, is that all you? Is that some of the programmed or is that something like some MIDI stuff? Talk, talk well, me through that process of yeah. developing that, just the initial track on the album. Well, we could just talk about just, just this one single track because, you know, it could be a bit of a process and it varies. Yeah, but for that yeah. one specific, yeah, for that one specific track, like how I compose most of my music, it starts off with me just banging on the piano and coming up with melodies and writing it down on uh, manuscript paper. Yeah kind of like how old school composers do it or just traditional composers do it. They just come up with melodies on the piano and they write it down in musical notation. And actually an interesting fact, I actually don't write any key signatures. Mm. So I just write in sharps and flats as I go. I can still do something like in the key of A or C sharp, but I'll just write in the accidentals. But anyway, so for that track, I wrote out the, all the parts in a, musical notation it must have taken me a week or two to do so maybe more maybe less and then afterwards uh i don't remember what order i did this but i believe i recorded a metronome track um i recorded that onto audacity and because of the way audacity is i don't know how it's like on other musical softwares but i i actually have to record the metronome going off and then I take the, like the sound, like the little wave for each of the clicks, and subdivide it into four, so I could throw in like, court, like eighth notes and sixteenths. Sometimes it's a five, so I could do five tuplets or seven tuplets. But 
after I do the metronome track, I do, I believe I might have done the instrumentals. I played the guitars on it. The bass was played. The piano parts were played. And a lot of the instruments, like all the percussions were sampled off of live percussion or off of a live drum set. I'll take a drum tutorial of, say, like a snare drum, how to play a snare drum. And I'll take the snare drum from that and I'll yeah. use it as a snare drum. And I have like three or four snares I use. And I have that for a cymbal. Like I have a three or four cymbals I took from like three separate tutorial videos or some from the same t- tutorial just, and I sample them. Just sampling things that you like the sound of to get like, you know, to this song, yet we're using a different snare, different cymbals, just to get a different tonal, tonal basis of the kit. Yeah, I'm just trying to form a drum kit, and I wanted to sound realistic. Like I, what, what I was suggested was just to go to like, um, just download a drum sample from a like. Sometimes there's like a drum beat all already laid out, like a hip hop drum sample or something like that. But I want to create my own drum beat, so I just take I just take you know snare from this video, crash from this, and I build that into my own drum set and I build my own uh, rhythms out of that. So that's how I came up with the drum parts. Mm. And of course I extend it to like uh, the, like the timpanis and the gongs and Mm. all the other percussion and the triangles. And for the woodwinds, some of that is me on the clarinet. You know, I used to play in school band, have a lot of experience on the clarinet. And some of it is from my keyboard. It has, brass features that has woodwind features i play a lot of the flute and some of the brass and some of the woodwinds like the saxophone parts the the horrible sounding sax part it kind of fits but it's very dissident mm. that that's uh that's from a sax tutorial video <laughs> like i have yeah yeah and i just I, I would take like just a long note a sustained note and i would kind of do it like i would do the drum parts I would kind of just subdivide it into whatever I need to eighth notes and quarter notes and I'd pitch shift it and I'd make sure it's in tune. This eventually got very tedious. So I just stuck with the keyboard and mm. just would rather just play the brass instruments on the keyboard and record it over the keyboard than just that. But that that's how that original piece was made. So a lot of the instruments were played live. A lot of it was programmed from live instruments and yeah, there you have, and there you have it for that specific piece. Yeah. Oh yeah, and also there's also some sound design in there I threw in there, especially going into the piano part. There's you can kind of hear it fading out, uh, kind of out to the corners of the ears, and there's a lot of experimentation with sound design throughout the entire project. Mm. It's it's such a big, like I said, it's such one of those things. Such a big soundscape. It's got like it does have everything from like you know I could hear the live like. Uh, what's it called uh, live woodwinds and then live guitars and then um, you know I, I felt like sometimes some live drums in there as well but you're telling me it's all samples which is which is amazing um, well there's I, samples of live drums that's yeah. the thing that's yeah. why it sounds so lively that's amazing that's amazing. and mm. then so you record all the tracks you probably have I don't, I don't know it, it sounds like at least the 20 to 30 tracks per like you know especially on the introduction uh, introductory track but Across the board. Oh, I lose count. I just <laughs> lose. I just completely lost count. There, there's a point when, like, when I went, "Wow, this has ten tracks in it." And that, now at this point, I don't give a fuck. I lost count. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> it could be 50 for all I care. Watermelon <laughs> these days, probably 100. Who gives a shit? Oh, I was going to talk about watermelon. I'm just like, and I, when I said, yeah, let me, if I can play, it'd be amazing, you know, then, you know, all that sort of fun stuff. And you're like, yeah, I need some rhythm guitar parts and some lead parts and just give me whatever you got, whatever you got. And I'm like, oh, this is like a really exciting sort of uh Yeah. Sort of thing. I mean, I could, do you want me to go into how I, how Watermelon Needs to Hay came yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, please. Because that, that's the yeah, ending that track actually... of, of the album. Ending track there. Yeah, it was an ending. Is the ending track, and uh, do you want me to get into like the context and the narrative? There might be some spoilers, but absolutely, no, yeah, people... yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll get into it. Just the narrative significance. So perhaps I should get into. Should we get? Yeah, I, I guess we should get into the narrative of the album. Actually, you, you so describe whole... it better than than I would ever be able to describe it. Okay. <laughs> I'll do the best I can to sum up the album. I don't have the description in front of me, but basically it's a fictional tale, which is about, which is actually about me trying to do this album. (laughs) There's been a lot of setbacks, bunch of like technical issues, recording equipment, malfunctioning to some drama behind the scenes, me having to cut people from this project. But it, so it it came about me trying to get this thing together, which, which was, you know, I just had a lot of material to go off of between just trying to just like other people freaking out over it and not getting along with other people and just having the pressure of putting this thing together. So, so, so in the album, it starts off with me meeting Sanic, Sanic, not Sonic, because (laughs) Sonic is Sega's character Sonic is a made-up character, and he just calls himself Sonic to get places. I make that disclaimer in the description. <laughs> but anyway, I meet up with the Sonic character. He His life is in the shitter. He, he went through a horrible divorce. All of his kids are fucked in the head. He's fucked in the head. So I give him work. I let him be on this album. And, but then he brings his friends along, which include... Filthy Frank and Andy Kaufman. Yes, it's very autistic, as you can tell. <laughs> the most abominable, most horrible Motley crew imaginable I'm surrounded by. And then throughout the course of the album, it gets even it gets even worse. There's a there's there's a point in the album when Joe Biden passes a hate crime bill banning music and hate speech and that music is the work of the devil very, very joe's garage have... very joe's garage or now 2020 2112 uh, uh rush style oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah there, there's literally tr- yeah i had the central scrutinizer as a character <laughs> yes, yes. where he's the narr- he's, he's the narrator yes, of the story yes. <laughs> yeah i i have him as a narrator and oh excuse me yeah. Anyway, I have him as a narrator, and the, uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm a little tired. I just got off of work. It's all good, man. It's, it's very good. hard to sum up this. <laughs> I'm trying to sum up this album. It, it's not an easy. It's not an easy task at all <laughs> to sum this thing up. But oh. back to watermelon Easter hay. You could get the point that this whole thing is a shit show. It's insane. And I actually kind of, I actually draw a parallel between myself and Joe from Joe's Garage, mm. in that. The music didn't work out. Music was banned. Everything, everything went to shit around him, and I actually made it so I'm dreaming my last imaginary guitar notes over, 
the imaginary instrumentals over the imaginary vocals. And it's introduced just like uh, Watermelon Easter Hay in mm-hmm. Joe's Garage. So it's fantastic. I guess the more one more one thing that someone could get away from this is that I turned out like Joe and that the music fucked me over and that music really <laughs> was the work of the devil the whole time. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's such a central it, screw. Yes, it's such it's such a good closing track for the album. Like having those big Zappa influences. I know you got some some of the early Zappa stuff early on in the album, and but finishing off with the watermelon and Easter Hay track, or at least a parody of it, with, with the, uh, continuing and like really closing off the story. I think it was just a fantastic way to end the fantastic way to end the album, in, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. And plus, like, there's some significance involved because uh, the the album definitely, like, the the press wasn't exactly good. There's a lot of like mishaps, and you know, out and plus, like, it was kind of a complete commercial flop. It only <laughs> sold one copy, and <laughs> the person was kind enough to leave a comment saying, "Wow, this is terrible. I should print out that." that Wow, this is terrible! And hang it up on my fridge, and go to my kids. Say, "Look at this, kids! If you pursue music, this is the type of this is the type of praise you'll be getting. Not a Nobel Peace Prize award, not a Emmy or a Grammy. (laughs) This is what you will get for pursuing actual music. That following your dreams. That's it. Following your dreams. This is nothing but spite (laughs) from the people you try to entertain. Nothing Um, but spite and hatred. Oh, well, I still liked it. So that maybe that's just one guy's opinion. You know? <laughs> what do you at, at least do? a small handful of <laughs> other talented musicians liked it, and I could live with that. Ah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Oh, look, uh, I want to always ask this something. Like I love asking musicians. You know, uh, I'm a guitar player, and I love guitar gear and all that sort of stuff. So, how, what is your guitar rig when you're recording? So, you know, what's your guitar? Your effect pedals? Your amp? And then uh, what, how do you record the guitar into the computer there? Well, I have no effect pedals. Uh, <laughs> I, I use my 10-year-old amp with my 10-year-old Epiphone that's had multiple repairs. And I also have a $200 Stratocaster ripoff. Uh, Tajina is the name of the brand, I believe. I, can't, I don't even know how to pronounce the brand. Uh, <laughs> Some Brazilian guitar plays I, nice. I think you asked me, it's like, oh, could you play this guitar with well, this track with like the a Stratty sound or a Tally sound? I'm like, oh, I don't have one of those. I, <laughs> I just have a, like, mm. a. I mean, I've got a Les Paul and a and a PRS, and they're sort of my two go to ones to to get me through most of the stuff. I prefer the humbucker sound than anything else. But I'm like, oh, but it's okay. I've got the split coil accessory. <laughs> uh, what the hell is a split coil PRS? What was that an acronym for? Is that some sort of alt right podcast group or something? Oh, absolutely! You should see the SE models of them. The... <laughs> oh, well, the split, oh boy! Well, the split coil. If uh, if you're gonna do a mod on the the Epiphone, it uh, you've got the humbuckers in the Epiphone. I'm just gonna assume, and then what it does oh, is it allows yeah. it to it sort of turns off once one of the pickups, so it gives you that single coil sound. Hmm. very handy so you'll just hear the treble or something it just yeah so instead of having that humbucking sound it has more of a, a single coil sound like a tally sound or anything like that hmm. super handy i'm gonna i'm gonna have to, i'm gonna have to go in the guitar shop and have someone explain that to me <laughs> and show me samples of this 
you know, I'm, I'm not very good with guitar gear. I'm very basic. Mm. I mean, I've had, a lot of the instruments I use, I've had for like the better part of a decade. Yeah. And, you know, I, I should get, you know, more, uh, get more educated about different types of guitars and about effects pedals and whatnot. But oh, it's yeah, whatever I works. Just, it's what, I mean, I've, I've been playing live in cover bands for so many years for, for me, it's always been like, okay, I need something that's completely versatile, that's easy to carry around and effect pedals that, you know, I can cover everything from Bon Jovi to Taylor Swift because that's what people want to hear. <laughs> so for me, it's yeah. it's like, okay, I'll need an octave pedal on there and I need a delay and then suddenly I need some weird flangey pedal to do something weird. But um, but it, uh, mm-hmm. it helps me get the Frank Zappa sound every so often when I want to jam with some mates and you know and all that sort of all that sort of fun stuff there yeah yeah for my uh for my effects you know i have most of the effects built in there just the chorus flange effect i have you know distortion clean effects on my amplifier it's pretty old but it works pretty well Mm. and how i record it is that you know all i do is that i wear headphones so yeah, so the tracks from the computer doesn't inter- interfere with the microphone. Yep. I put the microphone against the amplifier. I stand about 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 six feet away from my amp. Yeah. Uh, like you know, like the CDC recommends, six feet away from. <laughs> okay, that was a that was a bad joke. Completely taste. Cut that out. It's all right. Just wear two I'm, masks. I'm gonna get a, uh, <laughs> wear two masks. Oh god, we're gonna get. There's gonna be a thread on Kiwi Farms. Oh, look at these lol cows making these jokes on the internet. Oh, that's what happens when you associate with Dan Serrera. <laughs> All those fucking nerds on Kiwi Farms. God. <laughs> I had to introduce but my co-host anyway. to Kiwi Farms, and he was just like, "What the oh, hell God. is? What the hell is the internet?" And I'm like, "Man, you—he's a, uh, you know, very top level, just that top level of the internet." And uh, mm-hmm. I've been on it here a little bit longer than him, so he's just a bit more. Uh, yeah, a bit more a top level rather. He than... was shocked. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a culture shock. Mm. Even myself, when I log on there, my my gut is just just to log back out of there. Yeah, it, it's just so filled with filth and well, good for them. You it, know, everyone has their weird it was hobbies and niches. That was, but Four uh, Chan and Kiwi Farms were banned in Australia for about two months. I don't know if you ever knew that, but that was something that happened in Australia. Was that over the Christchurch shooting? That was over that shooting, yeah. Oh, okay. Amazing. Because from what I remember, I know that uh, I think uh, Joshua Moon, uh, Null, you know, the runner of uh, Kiwi Farms, yep. he, I think he wanted to post videos of Christchurch shooting and the government wanted it, them to take, him, take it down and he yep. refused. And there was a big, just, you know, big feud over that. And I think he got... Did, did he get banned or something from, like, I guess he got banned from Australia. I'm assuming so, yeah. His, I, don't, I don't know what uh, happened. Oh, his about, website. I don't know what happened about, like, I'm guessing he's not allowed to come to Australia, but obviously the, the shooting happened in, in um, in, uh, what's it called, in, in New Zealand. In but, New Zealand, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, obviously Australia and New Zealand are pretty close, so anything that happens there sort of affects us a little bit in that sort of regard. Mm. But, yeah, but pretty interesting. I don't, I don't know, but it was uh, it's unbanned now. Uh, or maybe I don't know. They flick the switch and for better know, or worse, it's unbanned. It's unbanned, exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. Uh, so, so what yeah. is so what is next for the Grand Wazoo? Uh, 
I'm not sure, to be honest. Like, uh, I think this album did burn me out a lot. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm considering in the future doing an instrumental album. I'd love to do like a Weather Report or a Miles Davis oh, nice. or yeah, even yeah. a Hot Rats style jam. Like, like a, you know, like, like a jam record mm. and just have like solos and instrumental pieces. But for now, I, I'm just think I just want to. I'm more interested in just writing music for myself and just strengthening my chops. And I'm, I'm just interested in just making music for myself for a while. Mm. I'm not sure if I will post anything. I don't know if, I don't know if my hiatus will last a few months or a few years, but for right now I'm thinking about just writing music for myself, but I do plan on coming back. I just don't know when. That's awesome. I look forward to yeah. like all the stuff that you're going to be putting out there, but Look, I know that you just finished up work. I don't want to keep you too long, but where can people find, obviously, the Dick Show Christmas album and anything else that you've been releasing? Oh, the Dick Show Christmas album, you can find it on Bandcamp, Apple Music, iTunes, and I believe Spotify. Oh, fantastic. The link is, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, just one sec. I didn't, uh, I'm just getting the link up. I just want to mention the link on the show. Yeah. So you can find it, you can find it on Bandcamp at uh, thegrandwazoo.bandcamp.com and you can slash album slash the Grand Wazoo's Christmas Kalakazoo 2. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll link that in the show. Oh, and it's well. also, like I said, on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and maybe one over one other platform. But it, it, it got released on a few others where people could check it out. Amazing, amazing. And uh, obviously your social media, how do people get in contact with you if they want to participate in the next crazy music project that you have? <laughs> yeah, of course. So, of course, there's SoundCloud where I post a lot of the singles. You can find that, uh, the Grand Wazoo 42. And I'm also known as the Grand Wazoo 42 on Instagram. So you can find me on SoundCloud and Instagram. Or you can find me as Oreo Sama if, you want, if you're really interested in my life. Older stuff or want to collab through that that entity there's oreo hyphen sama that's where you can find me on soundcloud nice. for that account that's awesome oh look grand wazoo thank you so much for coming on the we only do one take podcast and like, like i said cannot wait to tell you all the new stuff that's going to come out in the future and it's time for me to go re-listen to that album again <laughs> yeah of course of course and uh let me just wrap it up for all your wanking needs Uh, Make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And we're also on PayPig. Are you on Dick's um, PayPig as a Oh, I haven't been federated yet. I'll get federated as soon as possible. (laughs) I got to get on that. So go get federated at PayPig.com. PayPig.org, my mistake. And if you'd like to send us some hate mail, a death threat, or a rant, you can record it on your phone and email us at weonlydoonetakepodcast at gmail.com. Grandma Zoo, thank you once again. Yeah, thank you. And we'll see you guys next Thursday.